British Bulldog's my name, wrestling's my game. In tomorrow's Daily Mirror, the amazing secret of my life. It's red hot, so listen good. Plus, get your teeth into a free hamburger at Burger King. You feeling hungry? You want a free burger? You got it. Only with the Daily Mirror. Take a big bite tomorrow. Christmas everybody! Welcome to the legitimate final stocking stuffer of 2022. It's part two of the 2022 Acceptable in the 90s Christmas Special. Pour yourself a Bucks Fizz and put on your winter onesie as Big Meaty Claus himself sets you up for soaking your spuds and roasting your parsnips. Ooh, pardon! This episode has come at the request of one half of the Pond Daddies, UTT Rob. He suggested that I take a look at some classic TV adverts from the 90s, so that's what I'm going to do. Rob has selected a few that he remembers fondly, and I'm going to give my thoughts on them. I had a lot of fun doing this particular special, so hopefully it could make an occasional comeback now and again, maybe with guests. take you back to what was also a better time for TV advertisements, before the days of no claim without blame ambulance chasers or funeral plans, companies actually had stuff to sell, and they used the medium of television to try and do something about it. According to my parents, when I was a baby, the only thing that used to quieten me down during the day was ad breaks, and as I grew up, I ended up having a real affection for these 30 second snippets of blatant consumerism. At one point in the early 90s, I was transfixed by an ITV programme called Tarrant on TV. A long running programme where Chris Tarrant, who was once the UK host of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, would highlight some of the weirder or more risque elements of international TV broadcasts, including adverts. These weekly masterpieces would showcase the kind of sights that would never make it past the UK censors, such as brutal Japanese adverts for contraceptives, eggs being fired from German bottoms, and for most young lads such as myself at the time, their first sight of a cracking pair of knockers. 
But, for all this frivolity and exoticness, it does not compare to a bloke dressed up as a cockney bear or a light entertainer extolling the joys of Irish lager. So, for what I hope will be the first edition of this mini-series, let's see what Rob had for me, shall we? If you would care to watch the adverts themselves, links will be in the show notes. Yeah. What's it to be then? Just a trim, please. You could have a Lionel Blair cut, like mine. Lionel Blair doesn't have his hair cut like yours. That's if he comes here. Time for a sharp exit. Time for a cool, sharp harp. Pint of heart, please, Chief. When it comes to using famous faces to sell beer, Guinness has always gone for the class acts. Rutger Hauer as a Martian observing the quaint customs of humankind, or Michael Fassbender swimming the Atlantic to say sorry to a friend. Adverts for Guinness's harp-branded lager, on the other hand, were usually a little bit more down-to-earth, much like the lager itself which is a decent little drop, noted for its crispness, if not so much for a varied taste. Harp had Lionel Blair and Molly Sugden, even Carl Howman from Brushstrokes, and Harp liked to laugh. Where Guinness hired Peter Cook and Dudley Moore to provide a bit of Oxbridge levity, Harp went for Ronnie Barker, getting him to do one of his government spokesman monologues, asking why viewers weren't watching telly with a pint of Harp in hand. The idea behind the advertising was clever, as most of the adverts were certainly memorable. In particular, the Lionel Blair cut advert raised a chuckle when I watched it back recently. The idea was simple. A well-groomed gentleman sits in the chair of what looks like a fancy unisex hair salon, only for his glamorous young coiffeur to be replaced by a hefty, straight-talking barber who suggests that his shoulder-length do be replaced by a simple, heavily gelled, short back and sides, which the barber refers to as the Lionel Blair cut. Not because the popular light entertainer had his hair like that, but that he would if he'd ever sat in the barber's chair. Harp used adverts like this to sell their slogan, Time for a sharp exit, time for a cold, sharp harp as the metrosexual gentleman is next shown having a frosty harp in his local, while Lionel Blair, sporting the titular Lionel Blair cut, places his own order at the bar. So far so good, Rob. Keep them coming. We were asked to play the new club in town where the latest fashions all the rage and the fans go mad when you're on stage because george is here hey. well it's cool and trendy club such friendly girls you've never seen and with all the latest dance routines but i think the jobs the biggest star Another popular lager brand of the 80s and early 90s that was noted for their eye-catching adverts was Hofmeister, the Bavarian Helles Lager brewed to German purity laws. 
The brand was marketed in the 1980s with the slogan, Follow the Bear, and an advertising campaign featuring a bear called George, with a shiny yellow jacket and a pork pie hat, as well as a distinctly London-esque accent. The first batch of the adverts in 1983 were also reported to be the final directorial work of film director Orson Welles. The slogan, For Great Lager, Follow the Bear, became instantly recognisable, as the branding of a bear on the company logo seen on the pub pumps was equally eye-catching. There are many fine examples of classic Hofmeister advertisements on YouTube, but since this is a 90s-centric podcast, I've selected an advert from 1991, where a drab, uninteresting nightclub becomes the swinging spot of the millennium, as George the Bear brings the patrons in, except poor Tony Blackburn, and gains a gang of young fans while inexplicably losing his clothes. Sadly, around this time the brand was starting to wane, as the adverts were starting to be viewed as being a tad naff, and the product itself, which has recently been relaunched as a premium bottled brand and is actually decent, suffered as a result. The lager itself is having something of a slow, soft launch currently, and is sadly not available in draft at the time of recording, but it does deserve to live again, and maybe we'll see a return of George himself, with a six-foot beard and a lumberjack shirt. Who knows? Mm. Chinchin. Yeah. Oh, this isn't Chinzano, is it? No, oh, it is Chinzano. It's new. Oh, Chinzano Rosé. Rosé. Oh, Mamma mia, but of course, Chinzano Rosé. <laughs> you speak Italian. Oh, um, oh, those aromatic herbs, and I bet it's made from... Yes, yes, just as I thought, made from the finest Italian rosé wines. Yeah. And it's wet, too. Oh, the best rosés always are, my dear. Now, from Chinzano, Chinzano Rosé. Ah, Bonacera. Good evening, sir. What can I get you? Uh, do we have a Cinzano of some sort, Paul Favor? Yes, sir. There is a Cinzano Rosso, Secco, Bianco and New Rose. Oh, the complete set. Somebody must have told you I was coming. <laughs> I'll have a Cinzano Bianco. Shaken, not stirred. <laughs> Extremely popular abroad, this, you know. Gracias. Mmm, oh, how they still achieve that subtle blend of herbs and wines, I'll never know. And what they can do with the spices from four continents? Continues to amaze me. Hello, <laughs> Tinji. Hello. Oh, Melissa, darling. Mm, you're early. Would you like a Cinzano? No, thank you. I've just had one. Ah. Cinzano since 1757. The aroma wasn't built in a day. <laughs> ah, excellent, eh? Hey, there it is. Cinzano dry. Oh, haven't seen this in a long time. <laughs> Have they done it again, we ask ourselves? <laughs> Oh, Marie, oh, a new, light, sophisticated, dry drink that is quintessentially dry. Oh, pity Melissa isn't here. She'd enjoy this. New Cinzano Dry. The Dry Cinzano. Ah, oh, Melissa. Uh, Mr. Yakitori and his aides. Yorkoso. Uh, no, no, sweetie, Japanese. Play this right, there's a scooter each. Oh, we just ordered our traditional drink, Cinzano Bianco. Oh, a fusion of superb Italian wines and aromatic herbs. One of our most refined European customs. <laughs> oh. oh! I think they like you, Marissa. Your Cinzano Bianco, signora. Thank you. Ah, yes, gracias. Ah, do we? No, 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 mine was a Cinzano as well. Ah, oh, that's better. 
Oh, can't you just smell those Italian wines? Suffused with herbs and spices from four continents. I'm being boring. Oops, sorry. Sorry. I'm getting ahead now, sweetie. Jolly good idea. From the house of Cinzano, Cinzano Bianco. Darling, We're all right, darling. Ah, sweet of you. Ah, Gingin. That's Gingenza's. Oh, some local brew, is it? You've been pulling my leg, darling. Those fine Italian rosé wines, that subtle blend of herbs and spices, that's a Cinzano rosé, you little tease. It's my Cinzano rosé. Mm. And that's Cinzenza. Ah, Buenos Aires. Uh, we're just here for the winter break, are we? From the house of Cinzano, Cinzano rosé. Well, I know I previously mentioned that this was a 90s focus show, but it's Christmas. So you know I'm allowed to have at least one barefaced lie per episode. And this lie is justified because there is no way that I could not give proper credit to Rob's third and final selection, which are the excellent Leonard Rossiter-helmed Cinzano adverts. Cinzano vermouths date back to 1757 and the Turin herbal shop of two brothers, Giovanni Giacomo and Carlo Stefano Cinzano who created a new Vermouth Rosso using aromatic plants from the Italian Alps in a still-secret recipe combining 35 ingredients. Cinzano became known as the Vermouth of Turin and proved popular with the bourgeoisie of Turin and later Casanova. Cinzano was well known in Britain for its humorous television advertisements featuring Leonard Rossiter and Joan Collins. Watching these back, I wondered if they were just an excuse to focus on poor Joan's cleavage as directors came up with new and more exciting ways for Leonard Rossiter to douse Miss Collins with the once popular brand. I've included all six of these adverts in the audio portion that you've just listened to, but you would be doing yourself a disservice if you didn't click the link and watch them for yourself while witnessing one of the quintessential comedic actors of his time chew scenery to perfection. And that's your lot for this Christmas special, folks. Thank you to Rob for his choices, which were certainly a lot of fun. Hopefully this will go on to be an occasional returning break in all the silly wrestling proceedings, and I would certainly love to get Rob on the show or anyone else for that matter, to talk about some of their favourite ads. And folks, I want to take this chance to thank each and every one of you for your listenership this year. I've loved building the Acceptable brand, even though it was merely designed for me to fill some time while I was off with Covid. But there is certainly more to come from the show in 2023. There will also be a lot more to come from One Man's Meat as a whole, as I love talking with Danny, and he doesn't seem to mind it either. On a personal level, I would like to give thanks to Rob, Dan Griffin, Cy Powell, Podfather Max, Steve-O, Bang Bang Andy, John and Mark from the excellent Look at the Adjective podcast, Danny and my lovely wife, Miss Beef Elizabeth, 
for the support, encouragement and friendship this year. You are all on my guest bucket list for next year, so let's hope that that can happen. And talking of Miss Beef Elizabeth, my final Christmas present to the meat ciders, or lump of coal depending on how you view these things, is an audio recording from a husband and wife musical performance that we put on. We originally got to know each other by singing together in our church's worship group, and we joked about recording an album one day. Well, this is what that might have sounded like, and much like how Danny is the talented one on one man's meat, Miss Beef Elizabeth is far and away the talented one in our family. So Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and stay beefy, Meat Ciders! I am a sinner, your blameless Lord, my sins against you can't be they will be punished, I know they must, your law demands it, for you are just, if you Thank you.